The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. What's up, OPCC? Welcome to Church Online. We're glad you're joining us again. Thank you for those of you who are joining who aren't local. You're joining from other places in the country. We're glad you're a part, too. I would ask you to do one thing. It's really encouraging for me, as if you will comment um, as I'm speaking. If you can give me an amen or something of that nature. One, it lets me know you were here. And two, it's, it's really encouraging to me. And so I want to encourage you to participate and be involved in the service. Thanks for the great worship we experienced with uh, Sean and Corey this morning, and I'm so thankful for that. And then I, I, I want to just talk a little bit about kids because I love kids, and I love to tell stories about my kids. Like right now, what I would encourage my kids to do is sit up. Like, I, I know you're not uh, in the church physically right now, but there is no need for you to be laying back on the couch, chilling, like, this is not a big deal. And I would say that to my kids. I would say that to Corey and Jack Hurst. I would say that to any kids who are watching right now. You would be so tuned in if I was a gamer talking about something on Xbox or of that nature, and I'm about to bring a word from the Lord to you. And if you ever needed to hear a word from the Lord, it is now when we're living in this age that we're living in, when everybody he's asking, what in the heck is going on? And I'm going to tell you a story today about three kids. And so it's, it's a fascinating story in the Bible um, that we learn about. And we learn when we're looking at the Word, man, there are some incredible stories. And no doubt, the greatest story that we have in the Word is the incarnation. What is the incarnation? That is God became a man. Jesus in the, uh, was God in the flesh, and he became a man and came to this world. And, and my favorite story of the incarnation is the Gospel of John. And if you're learning a little bit about what it means to be a follower of Jesus right now, or you're unsure, man, I want to point you straight to the greatest story in the Bible, and that is the Gospel of Christ. And John was his best friend, and he gives an incredible account as he talks about Jesus being the Logos, the, the explanation for God. He was a walking explanation for who God is because he was God. And so we know that's the greatest story in the Bible. Well, what we might be surprised to learn is the second probably greatest story in the Bible is the book of Hosea. Now, that's not a Bible that we, or a, a, a book in the Bible that we go to often, but um, it, it is an incredible, uh, again, one of the Old Testament and pro- prophets who gives us some incredible theology. Now, why would I go in this series to the book of Hosea? Well, Hosea is a, contem- a contemporary of um, uh, the prophet Amos, where we started with. Also, he is a contemporary of Isaiah. Now, what's fascinating about these three prophets is, as I taught you last week, there was a division in the nation of Israel. You had the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdoms. And so Amos was called of God to go to the northern kingdoms and to prophesy to Jeroboam. Isaiah was prophesying to the southern kingdoms. Jose was called of God to do something incredibly different. And so all of these guys, what's fascinating to me as you study the word, all of these guys use the language of the lion, describing the Lord as a lion. And this is not uncommon for prophets to do this, but it's pretty cool that these three prophets who were used of God to speak the word of God at the same time during the same experience that all of them were experiencing, the Lord moved on them and put the language of the lion in their hearts. And so as we look at this, it's a real story that serves as a symbolic object lesson 
about um, Christ, really, that what Christ would do when he came to the world, how God was going to become a man. And so when we're reading the Old Testament, and some might go, man, Jimmy, I don't understand why you're spending so much time in the Old Testament when um, all this stuff is going on in our world. But what you have to understand is I'm not doing anything different than what the um, apostles and the early Christians did. If you read the Bible and it says they searched the Scriptures and they taught from the Scriptures, What do you think they were searching and teaching from? They were teaching and finding Jesus all over the pages of the Old Testament. They were searching the writings of the prophets. They were searching the writings of Moses. They were searching all of these things to see the Christ in them as Jesus and the Holy Spirit opened the word up to them. And so Jose plays this uh, incredible part in, in history Uh, of the nation of Israel and and all of us to teach us about the story of Christ and what Christ would accomplish on the cross of Calvary. Now, as you read this um, book, what you have to understand is that God asked him to do something incredibly difficult. And so I would say to you, if you're a minister, one of my brothers in Christ who is a a minister of the gospel and and you've been called to preach the word and and you're out there and you're pastoring a church and and it's not become a super mega church and you're like scratching your head and you're looking at some of the mega churches and you're like, man, I I wish that things could be a little bit better in my ministry. I want to remind you that God doesn't always call us to do these incredible things like that. Sometimes God calls us to do something very difficult. And in Jose's case, we certainly see a guy who had a ministry that probably was one of the most difficult ministries a person could ever have. Jose is asked by God to engage in an object lesson where he is going to be the object lesson for God. He's going to be like God. He is told to go and marry someone, and he's going to take a wife by the name of Gomer, and she is going to play the role of God's people. And so God was going to use this experience that Jose had to teach all of the people of Israel what he is like. And even us today, thousands of years later, we can study the book of Jose and we can learn about God and we can learn about his people. And so we can place ourselves in the uh, story as Gomer, and we can look to Jose as God. And so when God is asking Jose to do different things, we can say, man, that's what God would have me to make an application from that about my life. When I see Gomer doing certain things, God is asking me to see um, uh, uh, how his people have reacted throughout history and even how I may personally be acting as one of his people that he has chosen to be a part of his kingdom. Now, what is the language of the lion? Well, it says in Amos chapter 3 verse 8 the lion has roared who will not fear the sovereign Lord has spoken who can but prophesy and I believe with all of my heart that right now what we're experiencing with this COVID-19 the lion is roaring at us I believe he's roaring at the entire planet he's trying to get our attention he's trying to get us to think about the things that really matter in life and he's taken away all of the things that really don't matter and forced us to be in this place where we can really start to think and process about what our lives are really like when all of that stuff is gone. And so I believe certainly, does God want people to perish? No, the Lord doesn't want anybody to perish. But people die all of the time. That is part of the, the sinful nature of humanity. The, the consequences of it are death. And so it's, it breaks God's heart when anybody dies. But sometimes the Lord has to allow things to happen in order to wake us from the slumber that we might be in. And I believe that he is speaking 
first and foremost to the church, but he will use things like this to get the attention of the entire world. And he certainly has done that very thing. And so when, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Hosea uh, chapter 1, and we're going to read this uh, passage of Scripture and look at this story. It is a fascinating story. And it says, The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, Judah, I'm sorry, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. So there's how we see that he is a contemporary of Amos. He's living during the same time, and he's called of God to prophesy during the same time. It says, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness. <laughs> wow. Now there's a ministry for you. You're going to go take a wife, she's going to commit adultery on you, and I'm going to use this whole experience to teach people what I am like. So if you think that God always speaks in rosy little messages, you don't understand the God of the Bible. And you have fabricated and invented a God of your own choosing, and that's the problem with the spiritual ignorance that exists in our day and age. He says, go and take for yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness. Because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. So child number one comes into Hosea's life. It is actually, he is actually the fa father of that child because it says she bore him a son. Then it says Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Rehumah. For I will no longer show love to the house of Israel, that I should at all forgive them, yet I will show love to the house of Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but, but by the Lord their God. Child number two, he is not the father of. And, and he's still in this relationship. When many would have ran out and called for divorce, he knows that he's doing exactly what God had asked him to do. God had showed him that this was what was going to happen. And so now he is raising a child that he did not father, who was born to his wife, whom he did have his first child with. Then it says, after she weaned lo Rehumah, Gomer had another son. Again, uh, Hosea is not the father of this one. Then the Lord said, call him Loami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. So it's a fascinating story that we have here in the book of Hosea about um, these children that, that, that God has brought into this marriage between this woman named Gomer and this prophet of God named Hosea. It is a story of a spiritual marriage. 
The whole purpose of it, um, God had um, Jose walk this out in, in his life so that he could again communicate to the people of God. Now, you have to imagine if you were God and you're trying to communicate through people and you choose the nation of Israel to be that vehicle of communication to show the entire world that you're like, then it's a great way to speak to people because you preserve it in writing, you prophesy about things, then you supernaturally make those things come to pass so that people can trust them and they can study the evidence and they're not making a blind leap of of faith in the dark as so many people do to so many other so-called gods in the universe. Our God doesn't ask you to do that. He lays out evidence for you to study. He makes it a way for you, makes a way for you to be an intelligent creature and love him with all your mind. He does not ask you to love him without your mind. He asks you to take your mind and love him. And oftentimes people who reject God because they think they're too intelligent to conceive of God and they think that that's dumbing down reason have never taken the time to study the very word of God that is the most incredible thing on the planet that absolutely after just 30 years of, uh, of preaching the word, man, it just continues to blow my mind. And so as we look at this and we see uh, uh, the word of God teaching us about the things of God, it's amazing to look at, th- at this story as a spiritual marriage that God is laying out. And in this marriage, what he's showing us is that Israel is unfaithful while God is faithful. And so Jose's age was much like ours. Um, it was a, an age that was filled with materialism. Like people had money. The economy was great. They were experiencing luxuries. They, they had plenty of wine, if you will, which is always an indicator that things were going good during that particular time in history. And so they were a very materialistic society. They were very active in religion. They were very active. Uh, they had a lot of religious activity going on, if you will. There were a lot of people going to church. There were a lot of people who said they believe in God. But the problem with all of it is the religion was shallow and corruption was rampant. And people were getting, the rich were getting richer. The poor were getting poorer. Everybody acted like they, acted like they loved God. There was a form of godliness, with, but there was no power within it. That is exactly what is happening in our country. You watch the news and you'll see that everybody believes in God. Everybody's talking about God. The president believes in God. The speaker of the house believes in God. All of these reporters believe in God, but they live like the devil. And I'm wondering, okay, this, I could not get away with the way that some of these people are acting and sit out there and say that I am a follower of Jesus because Jesus does not permit me to act like some people are acting. And so I think it is a form of godliness, but denying the power of Thereof. Now, there are a lot of people who are on the liberal side say, yeah, man, you go get that president. And there are a lot of people who are on the conservative side say, yeah, man, you go get that speaker. But let's talk about you, bro. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about whether or not you have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Because the truth of the matter is, is when we claim to know Jesus, We ought to be following Jesus. And I've titled this series, The Lion, because the lion is roaring to try to get our attention. And I believe who he is trying to awaken is the church, because the church is weak. 
Now, I know the church does great things, and I love the church. Like, I don't think there's anybody that loves the church more than I do. But when I look at the church and I go, man, what are we doing to change the world? Well, we can look at our country and see the kind of influence that we're having. Like, if we are appointing leaders that are leading like they're leading, and we're tolerating behavior like we're tolerating, it tells us the church is weak and anemic, and she needs to wake up. And that is exactly what God is trying to do through the story of Hosea. That is what he is trying to do through the prophecy of Isaiah. That is what he is trying to do through Amos. When he uses this language of the lion and he says that he's roaring, he's trying to get his people to wake up. And so as we look at the world and we go, man, all of these people are so bad and that's why things are happening like this, I think we should stop and go, what am I doing? To, to follow the lion. What does my life look like as I hold it up to the word of God and I take a deep look inside of my soul using the word as a mirror and letting it reflect back to me about my own obedience with Jesus as my father. And so Jose's cry to the people, it was simple. You have committed spiritual adultery on God as my wife has committed physical adultery on me. That is the message of the story of Isaiah in this first chapter. He lays it out. And the story teaches us the consequences of unfaithfulness through these three kids. And so as we look at the three kids, we begin to learn the consequences of being unfaithful, of saying that you are a follower of Jesus, but your life doesn't look anything like a follower of Jesus that we read about in the New Testament. There are consequences for that. And so as we unpack them, we unpack them through these three kids. And so as the kids are coming into the world, each one, God intervenes and he names the kids upon their arrival. And the first one, he gives the name Jezreel. Now, Jezreel means scattered. And this particular prophecy through this kid would have three applications. One is, there is a story in 1 Kings about a vineyard. And it was Naboth's vineyard. And a guy by the name of Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. And if you study the kings, you can go read about this story. And it is the story where we find mean old Jezebel. And Jezebel lies, and she gets Naboth killed. People falsely accuse him. He is taken out of uh, the, the uh, he's actually killed so that um, Je uh, Jehu, I think it is, um, no, Ahab can take uh, a, a possession of his vineyard. And so when we look at that, God prophesies. He uses a prophet to prophesy in that moment. And he says that I'm going to wipe out your descendants. And so there is one interpretation of this um, specific prophetic utterance here about naming this first child Jezreel is that God would execute judgment as he said he would. That's about to take place. The second one, um, the second uh, interpretation would be that um, it means, it simply means scattered. One of the meanings, meanings of Jezreel is that, that, that the people would be scattered, that God would scatter Israel throughout the world due to their unfaithfulness, okay? And so God said, this is what I'm going to do because you're being unfaithful to me. And so in the Old Testament, God is speaking to his people through the prophet Amos, through the prophet Isaiah, and through the prophet Hosea. And he says here through Hosea, by naming this child in this incredibly, like, like, th th this is a trending story on Twitter, right? What is going on here in Jose's life? And, and so he's telling this story. Call this first kid Jezreel. And it means that I'm going to scatter my people throughout the world due to their unfaithfulness. This scattering would take place in a matter of years. 
Remember when I talked about the fall of Jeroboam and how God would execute judgment and the people would be carried out into exile. They would be taken away from their home. Well, it happened during the, uh, when, uh, through the fall of Samaria, and we see that in biblical history. And so in, in 722 B.C., Israel was scattered uh, throughout the world. They started to scatter throughout the world. And so we know that they're even scattered today. Israel has scattered from uh, Nazareth to New York, from Samaria to San Francisco. Jews are all over the place. And it was a prophecy that this would happen, and it started 722 years before the time of Christ. Now, so we go, oh, that's interesting. I like this. This is good talk, Jimmy. I appreciate it. What about me? Well, here's your application. Here's our first takeaway about the naming of this child, what it would mean for us. When we run from the lion, we get into trouble, Okay. That's what he's trying to teach us. When you run away from the lion, when you reject what the the lion is calling you to do, when you reject uh, uh, being obedient to him, you, you find out you get yourself in trouble. That is exactly what happened to Israel. And if you know Jesus, you've been born again, and the Spirit of God dwells in you, and the lion has challenged you to do something, and you won't do it, you're running away from the lion. And he's trying to scream to all of us that we get in trouble when we run away from the lion. That, I became aware of that when I was a young man, and the Lord turned the lights on for me. And I'm so thankful when I was 22 that I figured out running from the lion is a bad way to live if you believe the lion exists. If you believe that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah and he lives inside of you, the worst thing that you could ever do is run from him when he's calling you into obedience. And so I started yielding to him and noticing that the fruit of the Spirit started to grow in my life. I had more joy. I had more peace. I had more kindness. I was a more gentle person. Life took on meaning. Why? Because I quit running from the lion. And so I quit quit making trouble for myself by ignoring the very voice of God in my life. And so that's the application for us as we look at this prophetic utterance to, um, uh, uh, to I'm sorry, to Jose and to the people of God. And, and we understand that the name of the first child is Jezreel. Okay, so when we run from the lion, we get into trouble. Okay, well, some might say, well, is it, as we look at this, um, we see that it's, it's, it's a story of love. And true love always disciplines. And so we look at this, we don't like to talk about this side of God. We've gotten, as a church, we've gotten too comfortable talking too much about the grace of God. I should rephrase that. I don't think you could talk too much about the grace of God. But I think you can talk a lot about the grace of God and never talk about the discipline of God. Never talk about the wrath side of God. And never warn the children of God that they can expose themselves to the wrath of God by not listening to the lion and following hard after him. So it's always balancing grace and truth. And that's, that's what we need to do as the people of God. And so it is a story of love and true love always disciplines. Here we see, we're reminded, of the story of Jonah. What did Jonah do? Jonah ran from God, but guess what happened with Jonah? He never got to where he was going. Not only did he never get to where he was going, he had to pay the bill and he never got reimbursed for what it cost him out of his own pocket to try to run from God. But we also know that when he started to listen to God, things shifted in his life. When you um, go God's way, you will get where you're headed, and the good news is he always pays the bills. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. 
And Jesus is teaching, you can ask for the Lord to provide for you when you're willing to listen to the Lord and do his will. You cannot ask the Lord to provide for you and expect that he's gonna provide for you if you're not listening and walking in obedience. He will not provide for you in those moments. It will always cost you and always get you in trouble. And so we see discipline coming down to the people of God for failing to listen to God. Now we get to the second child. Now the second child, his name is Lo-Rehomah. And or her name, I should say, forgive me, her name is Lo-Rehomah. And it means not pitied, okay? And so her name that God specifically intervenes and say, call this child this, her name was to be not pitied. God was saying to them that their sin, the people of Israel's sin, now listen to this, this is the word, okay? This is not my opinion, this is what I'm teaching you from the word. Israel's sin would cause God to not have pity on them, okay? They say, well, I don't, I don't like that, bro. I don't care. It's the word. You ever had your kids do something, and sometimes you have pity on them, and then they keep doing it over and over, and you look at them, and you chew them out, and you say, man, why are you doing that? I told you not to do that four or five times, and they do it, and then you take something away. You take their device away, and they're crying, and you, what do you, you don't have pity on them because you're trying to teach them that they need to understand the consequences of their behavior. Now, why are you trying to teach them that? Is it because you are a mean, um, wrathful, vengeful parent? No, it is because you care about them. You love them and true love reaches out and does what is necessary to raise them up to be the people that you want them to be in society. And so God was saying their sin would cause me to have no pity on them. Well, one might say, well, doesn't that contradict the word? Because the word teaches us that God's love endures forever. I read that in the Psalms. I read it over and over. One of the Psalms just said, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. It talks about his compassion. It talks about his long suffering. His mercies are new every morning. Amen, amen, amen. And they always are. But here's what you need to understand. When, when, when these things, and we start walking in this way as Israel was walking, what happens is that God will sometimes, this does not contradict the Bible because his mercy is always there, his long-suffering is always there, his love is always there, but sometimes all of the outpouring of the blessing of God must be withheld in order to awaken us from spiritual darkness. Just like we go back to the illustration of our children and we're trying to awaken them from misbehavior then the, the, because it's a loving thing to do, it's a responsible thing to do as a parent, and, and we know that internally, we, internally we know that. Why do we know that? Because we're made in the image of God and he put, it, put us in it, put that in us. And so we know that we are to do that and that is something that is teaching us about the very heart of God. And so true love awakens us to spiritual darkness. So here's the second takeaway. When we run from the lion, his mercies can be withdrawn to awaken us, okay? So the mercies of God can be held back. The blessing of God can be held back. Why? To awaken us. Now, does everybody need to be awakened? I don't think so. I don't feel like I need to be awakened. I mean, I, I, it's not hurting me. Um, but as I look at this and I hear the roaring lion, I don't, or the lion roaring, I don't specifically feel like he's roaring directly at me. But I'm suffering the consequences because people won't listen. 
And I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated as a minister, and I'm tired of playing patty cake, and I'm tired of people thinking that, man, we can just explain all this stuff away. At some point in time, we have to realize that we are not in control of the universe, and the very God of the universe has left us a record that we could know him and use our intelligent minds to think about him, and, and we wouldn't have to pay some of the consequences of allowing ourselves to drift off into spiritual darkness. And you say, man, well, I don't, man, I don't like the way you're describing God. Well, would you let, rather me describe a God who would say, well, you guys just go right off into a cesspool of darkness. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you all are separated from me eternally and things never work out in, in your lives for who you really are deep down in your souls. I'm just going to let you go. That doesn't make any sense, man. I don't want to follow a God like that. I want to follow a God who has enough love for me to love me fully what love actually means, and it's not a feeling. Sometimes we don't feel like loving our wives, but we love them because we know we committed them, to, or we're committed to them. Sometimes we don't feel like loving our enemies, but we love them because we know that Jesus loved us. And so sometimes love is hard. Love is not always this soft, cushy feeling uh, that we have about people, and we go, oh man, we just have to love everybody. If we really love them, we would be honest with them. And the only way to be honest is at some point in our lives to sink our teeth into truth and not what we feel, but what is an objective standard of reality that stands outside of myself and teaches all men how to live. And thus may I give you that Jesus said, what? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus, the only way to fully love people is to fully surrender to Christ and experience his love in its greatest capacity. And so we see child number one, we see child number two, we get to child number three, his name is, it's a second son, he is not fathered by Jose, and so his wife is unfaithful again, and she uh, uh, is with child and, and, and bears this child, and the Lord says to name him Loami, which means, now listen to this, this is, this is back you up a little bit, not my people. Name the third child, not my people. God is saying prophetically through this prophet Jose that a time will come when Jews will no longer be his people as we find them in the Old Testament. And so, whoa, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I thought they were the chosen people of God. Like here's, here's what the scripture teaches, is that they were they will be again in the future. There will come a time where they are again the chosen people of God. They were the chosen people of God, but then we have this middle part when they are not. What is that? We call that the church age. That's why the gospel was open to the Jew and the Gentile. And during the age of the church, the gospel is opened up for what we know as the ecclesia, now, what is the ecclesia? The word ecclesia means called out ones, the people who were called out to be a part of a special gathering. We call it, in our English word, the church, capital C, the ecclesia. They're the called out ones of the Lord. 
And so it, those called out ones are made up of both Jews and Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. And the reason I can be a chosen person of God is because we are living in this age when the Lord is populating the kingdom and the gospel is made a way for me to know Christ. We read the Apostle Paul and he teaches us in the book of Romans that we are grafted in. And he says to us, don't brag about the idea that you've been grafted in because we, we see that the, that the Jews ended up getting cut off so the Gentile could be grafted in. You know what I believe in the end times as they approach? I, I don't have my eschatology totally worked out. There are some that believe in a rapture. There are some that don't. I, you know, however you want to play that out. But uh, we, we know the, the idea of an apostate church. You know what? I, as I'm coming, the Lord is leading me in this. And I've been very, very careful to listen to the Lord on his desire for what, what, what he had had me to teach. I believe that in the future, that if the rapture is true, and the church is raptured out, then that, uh, uh, um, that, that uh, school of theology and premillennialism teaches that there is an apostate church. So what does that mean? It means that people right now who think they're the, the part of the kingdom of God could be cut off again. And so it's like, whoa, man, just like the Jews were cut off and grafted in, then Paul tells us to not be too proud that the same thing could happen. We know we have an apostate church. We know we have a one world religion. Things are going to get really jacked up and everybody's just going to talk. You know what the religion's going to be? It's going to be human love. We got to love everybody. Like if that's what makes you feel good, you need to understand that you're not studying the truth of the word of God and, and, and a church that is ruled by human love is an apostate church, okay? So you just file that away. That's a different sermon. Um, but, but here we see that when we get to this third takeaway, <laughs> the called out ones, they run with the lion, okay? The called out ones know how to run with the lion. We see that when we run from the lion, we get into trouble. When we run from the lion, his mercies can be withdrawn and awaken us. But the ones who are truly called out, not to the ones who belong to a Baptist church or a holiness church or a non-denominational church or a Catholic church or, 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 or an Episcopal church. No, 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 no. The called out ones. Because you can belong to any of those churches and not be a called out one. Okay, so the called out ones run with the lion and the mercies of the Lord are not withheld from them and they don't find themselves getting in trouble that the Lord has not um, prepared them to walk through in which he will stretch them. As a matter of fact, the called out ones that are running with the lion, the Lord will lead them right into trouble so that they can minister, uh, be ministers of the gospel in the midst of that trouble. And so like we're right in the middle of this uh, COVID-19 thing, man. What we ought to be doing as the people of God is looking around and saying, where is the Lord asking me to be a minister of the gospel? Because people are being awakened. They're being awakened spiritually and they're starting to think about the things that really matter in life not the materialism. Why are they thinking that way? Because the roar, the lion is roaring and he, he would that no man would perish, okay? Like, no, he doesn't want any man to perish and be apart from him. And so our jobs as ministers of the gospels are to be ambassadors for Jesus and take the good news of the gospel and begin sharing it with people. But the devil has us so weak and anemic in the church that most church people won't even open up their home and disciple or, or lead people in a spiritual conversation, man. And I'm 
talking about all over the world. Like people, my whole ministry, okay? I became a, a minister in 1992. It's, it's the year 2020. My entire ministry, the thing that freaks the people of God out the most is can I share the good news? What the heck is going on with America? And so we go, oh, it's the politicians. Is it? Is it? I don't think so. I think it's the church. I think it's the church not understanding the power that she is to possess in the name of Christ. The call that is upon her. That, that we are part of the ecclesia and we are the called out ones. And it requires courage to run with the lion. You don't run with the lion with no courage. And you can't claim the lion if all you do is sit on the couch. He calls us to run. He says, you want to be my disciple, follow. I'm going this way, not that way. You come with me. No, Jesus, you come with me. I ain't got no time for that, Jesus would say. I'm headed this way. If you want to run with me, I'm a lion. You come on and go. Okay? So a lot of us think we're running with the lion, and all we're doing is sitting on the couch eating cookies. And the Lord is calling out to us and roaring and saying, man, like if you want to change the culture, you don't look at the leaders at the top. You look at the people of God and see how they're impacting the world. And that's what tells us the church is not as strong as she ought to be. The, the church ought to be stronger in the United States of, of America than in any other country on the planet. And when we get that right, when we get that right, man, we will have an awakening. But we will never have an awakening when the people of God are asleep at the will. And so I think it's a good time for us to internally look and go, man, am I running with the lion? He said, whoa, bro, that's some strong preaching. What about, um, and we think of that, man, it's kind of unsettling, <laughs> shaky up a little bit. What about Jose? <laughs> Can we talk about Jose a little bit? He said, man, I remember you saying to me at the beginning of the talk that Jose talked about like he was going to play the part of God and his faithfulness, and Gomer was going to play the part of the people of God and their unfaithfulness. And so we look at Jose, or, um, and we see that something really cool happens in this passage of Scripture, and it, it begins to play out through, throughout the rest of the book. God says to them, after, after bearing all this bad news, and I know this is heavy, man, but it's intentionally heavy, man. Like, we need to wake up. We need to understand what's going on around us. We need to understand that the, the, the things we pursue in life, the things that the enemy has caused us to get distracted, they don't matter compared to the real things that really matter, what makes us who we are deep inside, our soul being. Not our well-being, our soul being, okay? And when we start focusing on that, we, we start getting excited. Now, what, what happens in this passage is God begins to communicate, I'm going to call them back and I'm going to change their names. <laughs> Transformation. What does the scripture teach us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed. Behold, everything is new. He makes a new man. He transforms them. And so God in this story is saying, I'm going to transform people. Do you see how it's, it's a foreshadowing of Christ in this message of hope to the people of God? And in the transformation, Jezreel has two meanings. And, and, and one meaning is scattered, and the other is planted. So when a person is scattering, he's planting, or he's scattering and causing something to flee away. And so God, in this story, is going to transform 
the people of God, the nation of Israel, he's going to transform them, um, and he's going to plant them. Okay, that's what's going to happen to Jezreel's change. I will plant my people in their land. Now, here's a fascinating thing for you. In 1948, the Jews moved back to their homeland. Okay, you say, was that the beginning? I don't know. All I can tell you is that Jesus said, man, look at the signs. They're all around you. And so I don't know if that's that's the beginning of the end. But what I do know this is after several years of being scattered, something has shifted and not too long ago, and the Jews were planted back. Then he says, I'm going to change lo rehemah to rehemah. Lo is a negative prefix, okay, in the, in the Hebrew language. And so he drops it, and he's going to change them from not my people or not pitied to she will be pitied again. Okay, she going from not pitied to being pitied again. Remember I said they were the people of God. They're not the people of God. They will be the people of God. I'm going to change it. I'm going to transform it. So right now we're living in this church age. It is the time for the people um, to come into the kingdom of God spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so then we get to the um, third one. Low Amy, he drops the low, the negative, to Amy. They will, be, they will go from not my people to my people. Now, let's... That's, that's, what, that's what the Lord is promising. This is how he says it in the very uh, verse 10 of chapter 1 of Hosea and verse 1 of chapter 2. He says this, Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will, and will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. Now, here's what we got. These verses, this, just a few verses there, they show us the transformation that it is to take place because God is faithful. They are unfaithful, but God will be faithful. And what we see here in these, five, uh, in these verses is five great blessings to the Israel nationally. We could be in that process of it happening right now, okay? And here are the blessings. There will be a national increase. It says in verse 10, the very first part, there's so many of them you can't count them. There will be a national conversion. In the second part of verse 10, it says they will be children of God. So there will be a national conversion. There will be a national reunion. In verse 11, the very first part, it says they will be reunited. There will be a national restoration. In verse 1 of chapter 2, um, it says they, they, they will be my loved one. And I skipped one. Um, there, will be a national, uh, there will be national leadership. They will all come under one leader. Okay? So, so here's the deal, man. As we see a lot of these things, and we're like, whoa. Okay? Now, this is hundreds of years before the time of Christ that this prophecy was made. And we see that God is speaking to us. Like, like we go, men, are you saying Jesus is coming back? Yes, I'm saying Jesus is coming back. When does he come back? I don't know. Okay? All I know is he said, watch, be alert. He may not come back for another thousand years. I have no idea. But it, it makes no difference to me if he comes back tomorrow or if he doesn't come back until after I die. It makes no difference. I'm ready. I'm alert. I'm watching. I'm running with the lion. Okay? The only thing that concerns me that if Jesus were, come, were to come back soon are so many people that I don't think 
take him seriously who would miss him. I say, well, how could that happen? Well, it happened the first time he came. There were many that missed him, and that's why they were cut off. See, we look at this and we go, wow, that's pretty cool, bro. But there are lessons for us too. And here they are. There are lessons for the believer. And I think I've been pretty plain and pointed about that, okay? And, 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 and like right now, man, I want you to know, man, my heart is heavy. Like I'm preaching hard. And I'm not preaching hard because my church is like lost. Like I've got great people in my church. OPCC, I think is an amazing church. But like my heart, like I feel like I'm preaching to the world. And I don't care if my people are the only ones that hear it, as long as they hear it, okay? As long as we have a good understanding of what's going on. But I feel just like um, as the Lord asked Jose to do something hard, he's asked me not to play patty cake with people. Like I don't think it's time for the preachers of the word right now just to be making everybody feel better, okay? Certainly we got to give hope, but we got to be honest, man. Like, we got to speak the truth in love, and we got to know what is the Lord saying to us. Like, we got to know, man, that, that we're, 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 we're spending twice as much time on our faces before the Lord as we are trying to get the church online. Like, like we got to fall before him. We are the men of God, the preachers of God, who are supposed to be proclaiming to the people of God. We are the watchmen on the tower looking out and trying to warn the people of God what is happening and he has not called us to play patty cake with our people, but to preach the word, the whole counsel of God. God, help us if we don't do that. Like, it's been heavy for me, man. I love to just preach messages that make everybody go, yeah, man, that's great. But I don't want to be like the prophet who has blood on my hands. Like, I don't want to be the guy who didn't warn the sheep and their blood is on my hands. And you don't want to be that guy either. So I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I think the Lord is saying to us as, 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 as American pastors, quit trying to be an executive. Quit trying to be a communicator. Quit trying to be a CEO and get back to the roots where God's people need you and preach the word of God so that America can be awakened. Like that's what God called you into. Like, if you want to be a CEO, then go work in a Fortune 500 company and let somebody else who will be faithful to the, the, the church of God and lead it like a minister should lead it to get in that pulpit and preach the word of God. That's what I believe. Like, that's what I believe. As I say that, that the Lord is trying to awaken their church, I'm not just talking to the people who sit in the pews. I'm talking about the people who are leading the churches. Like, he's calling us. He's, he's roaring, he is a lion, and he's saying, run with me, and I will show you the wonders of what I can do in my kingdom. And so I think that as we look at this man, he's saying to us that we need to realize the horror of spiritual adultery, and we need to be honest with ourselves and let the word help us take a look at our souls. To the unbeliever, I mean, this whole time I've been preaching to the church. It may be frightening to you if you are not part of the called out ones. What? What does it say to this? That Christ died for people just like you. Like, that's what the story is. That's why it's such a beautiful story. He said that all are scattered, all are not pitied, 
all are not God's people. The New Testament teaches us that we were the enemies of God. The New Testament teaches us that all are unrighteous. Uh, the New Testament teaches us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay? And so here's the deal. Everyone is inadequate. And so we, that brings me to the big idea of today, today's talk. Run to the lion. Like, like if this frightens you and it unnerves you and it, like it, it shakes you up a little bit, it should if you're not running with the lion. Like if you're running with the lion, man, it just makes you want to go faster. But if you're not running for the, with the lion, you just kind of back up and look at your life and go, what am I doing? And that's the intent of the foolishness of preaching that comes down in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. Oh, the, the, the lion is roaring. And what is he roaring? Is he roaring and saying, oh, I don't like you. No, he's saying, come run with me. Come run with me. Like Jesus is calling out to us to run with him. That's what the roar is about. He loves us. He said, man, I don't, like, can we be in the New Testament next week? Let me give you some New Testament this week. From none other than the Apostle Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, listen to what he says and see if it sounds familiar. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Jump over to chapter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the good news. And when we run with the lion. We share it. What is Peter doing? Man, you can tell Peter's been down in the book, the prophet Jose, and it is spoken to him. That's what they did. They constantly studied the Old Testament scriptures. It set their hearts on fire every time they would find Jesus showing up there. Every time they'd see the roaring lion. And they would come back and they would fire up the people of God with the truth of the word of God. And as people got fired up, the church got fired up. She awakened and she changed the world. And she didn't change it because the apostles were trying to lead like the Romans. The Romans were taking note of the apostles and the preachers of the day. And they were looking at people and they were seeing how they loved Jesus and lived and gave their lives for him. And how they proclaimed the truth even in death. So I say to you today, man, run with Jesus and live like, run with the lion and live. Like, what are you running with right now? Are you running from him? Like, the roar is not to cause us to run away. The roar is to cause us to run to. So that we have not a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of power. And we have courage. And so the Holy Spirit transforms the inner man, and he changes our name from people who used to be enemies to who are now 
a royal priesthood, like ministers of the gospel. Not just me, everybody who runs with the lion is a minister of the gospel. Now I'm going to ask you to bow in prayer right now. I know you're at home. I think the Lord has you at home for a reason. I think he's trying to get our attention. And like, I want you to seriously answer the question, am I running away from the lion? Like, am, I, am, I, am I doing everything that I can to reject him and not listen to what he's calling me to do? I know him, but I'm running from him. And it's going to cause trouble in my life. Then I want you to repent, man. Like, I want you to get on your face before the Lord. Like, man, just get on your face. If you can't get on your face in the living room, just leave right now and go up to your bedroom. Go somewhere and get away and get on your face with the lion. Man, I've, been, I've had such sweet times with the lion since this whole thing has happened. Man, the lion, like I've, I've been on my face before him, and he is speaking to me, and he, I'm running with him, and he wants to run with you. So do whatever it takes. Get on your face before the lion. If you don't know him and you're an unbeliever, and you're like, man, I want to run with the lion. I want to know God that way. He's got my attention right now. And I would say to you men, just, just get on your face before the Lord and tell him you know you're a sinner. I know I'm a sinner, Jesus. I know I can't do anything to, to save myself. And I'm afraid right now. I'm afraid because of how jacked up the world is, and I need you, Jesus. Like, would you come into my life? Be my lion. I want to run with you and confess your sins and confess him as Lord and Savior. And the Scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says to the unbeliever that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So just get on your face before the Lord and pour your heart out. Man, that's what I did. Don't be afraid to weep before Jesus. My most special times that I feel the most alive is when I'm before the lion weeping and letting him like work in my life. And so like, man, whatever the decision, I want to encourage you to make it um, right now. And I would say to you, man, like, let me know you made a decision. If you need, like, some counseling, if you want to talk more about this, you want to talk about what's going on in my life, man, you click one of these links and I'll, I'll reach back out to you. You fill out a connection card and say, man, I made a, a decision today. You can email me, jimmy at overlandpark.cc, and, and I, 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 I will encourage you. I'll do whatever I can to help you to find the comfort of the Lord in the midst of a, a frightening time for a lot of people. And, uh, so, like, before I pray, man, um, don't let this moment slip you by. Listen to the lion. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to be in your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fall on the church that you would bring an awakening that we've read about in the past, Lord. You would bring one right now. And that you would plan great days for us, Lord, out ahead in the future where we accomplish great things for you and all of humanity. Amazing things have happened in the world, Lord, when the awakenings have happened in the past. And so we pray for a spiritual awakening across the land. And I pray, Lord, for, for people who are giving their lives to you. That, Lord, you would your Holy Spirit would fall on them. For people who are recommitting their lives to you, that your Holy Spirit would fall on them. And that, Lord, and we, would, we would have the courage and the strength to run with you. <laughs> Let us run with you, Jesus. 
We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And listen, I do want to say this to you guys. Uh, first of all, um, thank you for joining. Thank you for you guys that call OPCC home, shifting your giving to online. That has been so encouraging to me. Like, I'm not worried about the church. I know what kind of people the Lord has put around me. And so I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you give each week. You use these links to do that. And so I, I'm encouraged by that. Know that you're encouraging me, and I believe the Lord is going to do incredible things um, through this ministry. And so as, as Sean plays, plays us out today, let us rejoice that we're running with the lion. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.